Welcome to That's So Hindu, the podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. In this episode, we're bringing back HAF's very own California Advocacy Director, Isan Katir, who doesn't just do Hindu advocacy work, but rather since 1983 has provided wealth management for families, individuals, and retirement plans. Last time we spoke about Dharmic investing in general. Today, we're talking about the current state of the financial markets, how to weather them, which sectors are doing well, and how to think about wealth management through the lens of Dharma. Hope you enjoy it. So, Isan, thanks for joining us again. The last episode you did was one of the most popular we've done. If listeners haven't heard that one, it's on Dharmic Investing. Um, I'm remiss, and I don't know the episode number off the top of my head, but if you go back through the feed, you'll be able to find it. Even if you spent the past six months meditating in a cave, you probably know that inflation's on the rise, stock market's making major losses. So how is investing going this year? Um, It's not going well. But as I said, that's the spiel I had written. But then right before this, I opened up the Washington Post and I see the headline, Dow soars more than 800 points as Wall Street ends week on high note. S&P 500, 3.1% up, snapping a three-week losing streak, and the Nasdaq's up 3.3%. So Isan, what's going on? What is going on? Well, first, thanks, Matt, for uh, asking me back. It's uh, always fun to talk with you. We are uh, about even for the year, plus or minus a couple percentage points, while stocks and and bonds are way down in bear markets. And they did have a great week this week. You're you're absolutely right. but I imagine you read my website first thing every morning, right? Oh, of course. Here, why don't we do it? Why don't we plug it so everybody else can read it first thing in the morning? What's it, what is your website? Oh, it is EasonKatir.com. Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes. So, you know, this week did, did better than previously. How is investing going? Well, it's uh, going, going well. We got out um, in... January, which I wrote on my website. You can look it up, January 16th, easonkatir.com. And we allocated capital to the good old US dollar, a good investment when stocks decline. And uh, if you missed reading my website that particular morning, you know, I'd be happy to, um, to manage your account for you, Matt, anytime. How do you know January was the top? Well, years ago, I wrote a book called There Is a Tide. And the title is from Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, uh, where Brutus tells Cassius, there's a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. And then Brutus goes on to say, on such a full sea, are we now afloat? Uh, so using the algorithm in that book and other analytic tools, I'm happy to report, I called the top on January 16th, uh, when uh, on such a full sea, were we then afloat? So Shakespeare, connect that to Dharmic investing. How, uh, how are those <laughs> ones connected? Well, yeah, Shakespeare wasn't known as a uh, the Dharma sage. You're right. Uh, where I live in California, uh, there's a big white bird called a heron out in the wildlife preserves a few miles from the house. They stand in water all day long, stalking fish. And there was a Hindu poet and philosopher um, 2000 years ago who wrote the famous Tirukaral. And he said, there are times to stay still as a stalking heron. There are times to move swiftly as the herons strike. Or more simply, he wrote another verse, a man may firmly bind himself to prosperity by the cord called timely action. So I believe there's a time to act and a time to uh, just sit still in the markets. And then January was a, a time to act. So 
in our pre-show conversation, sharing notes, you mentioned something about, you know, buying and holding. Does that, does that, I, I admit I am a newbie to this sort of thing. What is that connected this time, time to act time to, you know, stand still, be like the heron waiting to strike. Can you go into that a little bit more and, and how you can actually apply that? Sure. Yes. Um, there is a philosophy that says just buy and hold forever. And, and there is some wisdom in that at times. But uh, there's other reasons why people say that on TV. One, the huge mutual funds, the vanguards, the Black Rocks, they can't advise people to sell because they are the market. So if they started selling, uh, the entire market would uh, go kaput. And so they kind of attempt to lull investors into what I would consider dull complacency, repeating their sound bites. And second, many of the analysts may not know how to analyze markets for um, buys and sells. The stuff I wrote about in There Is a Tide, I learned from many mentors and developed in-house, not in business school. Uh, one of my interns who helped me put together the book, he graduated with a degree in finance and he said, gee, I never learned any of this stuff in business school. So um, third, even if they do analyze, uh, they frankly maybe don't have the guts to act on their analysis and allocate to cash. And maybe their mutual fund that they're running doesn't allow them to do that. They have to stay invested in something. Uh, but the, the important reason is that buy and hold has worked really well when the Fed kept interest rates near zero for the past 12 years. Buy, buy and hold and buy the dip, that all was fantastic. But as of January, when Jerome Powell, the chair um, of the Fed, said he's going to raise rates, that all changed. And so now the buy and hold folks are in the buy and hope stage because stocks and bonds and even the popular crypto, which is turned into kryptonite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there we go. Crypto has turned into kryptonite through all this volatility, the crypto market imploding, all of this. Where, where do you think what's going on next? What do you what do you see see coming? You've been at this a while. And I remember we were walking down the street talking one time and, you know, you said that you've been at this long enough and there are a lot of people panicking or not knowing what to do because they had, they've only been involved in finance for, for not enough time to have been through this sort of thing before, you know, with that experience, what do you see? You're right. Since the um, uh, Fed has kept interest rates so low for almost 12 years, anyone who's been investing for less than 12 years thinks that that's permanent. That's how it always works. But uh, it's, it's not how it always works. I've studied past bull and bear markets when interest rates were low and high. Uh, the definition, first of all, of a bear market, of course, is price declining 20% below a peak. So the S&P achieved that dubious number on June 13th uh, this month. But looking at the past, the bear market of 1957 going way back, buying when it went down 20% was perfect because a year later, the market was up 31%. But uh, the bear market of 1973, for instance, after that initial down of 20%, the price continued down for another year and another 27%. Uh, and there was high inflation back then in the 70s as well. Uh, if we fast forward to 2008 bear market, a year later, the market was down an additional 29% after the first 20% drop. So 
So there's a lot of variation and sort of that's my job. That's my work to handle these probabilities, these uncertainties, kind of like the way a doctor and lawyer handle other uncomfortable uncertainties of life. It's not for sure. But saying all that early this week, I analyzed and I bought Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Tesla, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, PayPal, Alphabet, formerly known as Google, uh, Adobe, among others. So uh, with this week's profit, I'm going to keep them as long as they continue up, which may be one week, maybe 10 years. I don't know. The market always uh, informs me what I should do next. I don't try to tell it what to do. We might be in the eye of the storm or the cyclone may have passed. What do you think the effect of the pandemic has been? I'm just thinking back that you made some examples of past bear markets um, in the 50s and the 70s. And none of those, while there are always vicissitudes of international politics and all these things going on that one could point to in both those examples, they didn't have a once in a century pandemic. And the interesting aspects of that in terms of the job market, in terms of supply and demand of goods and services, nor did they have a war in Ukraine going on at the same time. What, do you have any insight you can offer for people on on how that is playing into this and how that could affect the market coming? Well, you're right. It, it is a uh, a unique thing, except for the Spanish flu back in 1917. Um, and I think it has caused more volatility. You had that huge drop in 2018 and then an immediate V-shaped recovery and a similar thing in uh, uh, March of 2020, it just dropped off a cliff, but then it came right back and it came right back in those instances because the Fed was at zero. So pandemic or no pandemic, it's really the Fed that uh, is the uh, you don't fight the Fed. That's my number one rule. And by fighting the Fed means you don't uh, think you're going to get a lot of growth when they're raising rates. Uh, so I think that's even more important than the pandemic for the market, now for the economy and for life and living in general. Uh, of course, the pandemic was uh, a major change for all of us. How is what you're doing here, what, the advice that you give and the outlook that you take when you're managing people's money, different from what the mainstream advice is? And how, how would you describe those differences? Let's put it that way. Oh, well, good, good question. Um, I, I try to think clearly kind of beyond the, uh, the cheerleaders on, on Wall Street. Uh, uh, you know, we want to trust our sort of inborn Viveka, our discernment. And uh, there's so many sort of inaccuracies for sloppy thinking, even, even in simple things. You know, years ago, after, the, after a show at Delmonico's, we went on a midnight walk on Wall Street. And I discovered to my amazement that even that iconic New York Stock Exchange building with the Greek pillars that we always see, it's not actually on Wall Street. It's on Broad Street. Uh, and so that building anyway is mostly just a CNBC television set these days. The most actual the trading is, is remote from managers offices and they transmit it electronically into a huge windowless concrete high security building full of servers and air conditioners. And that's across the river in New Jersey. It's on MacArthur Boulevard. It's 400,000 square feet in Malwa. And uh, that's the New York Stock Exchange these days. So there's all kinds of misconceptions 
She can imagine the inaccuracies and in things we can see in such visible things. Imagine the inaccuracies in the will-o'-the-wisp realm of financial statements and numbers. Practically all earnings are adjusted these days, not the gap earnings that they're supposed to be. So we try to see through all that and just look at what institutions are doing. And um, they are the ones that move markets. So the market is not an abstract thing. It's, it's the sum of its participants, right? So it's, it's not like physics. It's more like virology. It mutates and changes. So we need to be a virologist rather than thinking that they're immutable rules and uh, keep studying and keep learning and uh, adjust uh, as the market adjusts. So I think that's my value added is I've avoided uh, these bear markets. To back up a little bit, you know, people have been taking some pretty big losses. What do you say to people that are, that, you know, are like seeing at least on paper, they're, they're hard earned and money going away. How, How do you, how do you counsel people on that? You know, like, is there some benchmark after which you're like, well, you got to change things up or should you just, you know, say that occasional losses are expected and things will turn around. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, you know, uh, one of the four Hindu goals of life is Artha accumulating wealth and that's uh, dharmic to do that. So logically, we would say uh, that to reduce wealth, it must be at dharmic. So we want to do everything we can to uh, um, avoid that. And the best we can do is keep losses small in the market. Uh, there's this asymmetry of percentage measurements. If you go up 50%, down 50%, if you're not thinking about it, you think, oh, you're about even, but you're not actually, because the down 50% is on a bigger slice. So we want to keep losses small is, uh, uh, I would say the way to, um, to, to have a portfolio that isn't ruined by one, yeah, horrible stock. You know, these darlings of the stock market from 2021, uh, Zoom and Zillow and GameStop and Uber and Spotify and Snap, they all peaked way back over a year ago in February of 2021. And they're now down 70% or more. Um, so you can't just have, keep those in your portfolio. You gotta, you gotta watch it and you gotta monitor it and, and act accordingly if things don't Hold up. Mm. Surely some of those like Zoom. Zoom was the first one you mentioned, I believe. That goes back to the pandemic. I mean, there was, uh, there was such a, everyone who discovered Zoom here at HAF, we've used Zoom for quite some time, but I imagine people were like, oh my God, now we're stuck on Zoom for the rest of our lives. Or that's what it felt like for a long time. <laughs> so it, it seems like uh, my, again, uninformed perhaps opinion seems to be that it, it, it seems obvious why that surged and then fell back because uh, the pandemic changed, our lives changed, things opened up again, even if it's still there with us in the background. Um, you mentioned something before, again, in our pregame chat, as it were, about defensive stocks. What is that for people that don't know, know the term, including myself? Uh, and tell us about those. Sure. Yes, yes. Well, you're absolutely right, Matt, that um, uh, I call it the zombie apocalypse we've encountered. Uh, we're all zombies now, for better or worse. Uh, I think it's a lot more economical. It saves on our travel budget, but it's not quite the same as 
sharing a, a, a meal with someone. Well, defensive stocks are the ones that uh, on TV, they say, well, in a, in a bear market, you should buy defensive stocks. But if you actually look at the track record, uh, uh, all stocks go down in a big decline, defensive, offensive, value, growth, whatever you call them. Every stock tends to go down, some more than others. Uh, sometimes there's a single sector that does well. And this year, that's been energy of all things. Uh, so that's been the only positive sector of the S&P this year. What do you think an investor should do right now? Like if I, you know, I, I'm coming to you saying, I don't know what to do. I've got, you know, X amount of money. I've got the X portfolio. What, what should people be doing? Well, I think first we have to sort of free our mindset from the, the hypnosis of the market platitudes. Uh, in every other area of life, when circumstances change, you act, right? When it gets cold, you put on a jacket. You don't say, oh, I'll just ignore the cold until it warms up again in the spring. So we want to, I think, be more nimble. The old buy and hold forever started when there were full service brokerages that charged you $200 to uh, you know, move, move a stock from A to B. Uh, but now it's free. There are no commissions anymore. So it's much easier and also in tax advantaged accounts. You don't pay taxes either uh, to, to move money around to adjust for circumstances. So I would say uh, be prepared to do that. But if, you're, if you have busy lives, you have your own career, uh, you probably won't watch it or you won't act even if you watch it. So um, uh, I'd be happy to do that for you on your behalf uh, every morning, which is what I do from about 6 a.m. to 9 here in California. I have one question before we go into, you know, my traditional, what haven't we talked about? But I remember, this is a couple of weeks ago, um, or maybe a month ago now, time flies. Uh, I still am on pandemic brain time a little bit. I asked you, what, what should people be investing in, you know, with inflation now, or how do you, when inflation's going up, what, what do people should invest in? And you mentioned avocados. <laughs> Can you tell people about why you told me that? Well, yes, it's a small company called Mission Produce. And I went down to Oxnard, your, uh, uh, area of California and had a uh, meeting with the uh, uh, CEO and founder, Steve Barnard. And he, for many years, has been the best avocado uh, network. He grows them, he distributes them, he imports them, he sells them. And the price of avocados has gone up 24% this year, but it hasn't been reflected in his earnings yet. So you could buy his stock, which is symbol AVO. It's very dharmic, right? It's a good food. It's not harming anyone. And uh, I think uh, that's a good investment for the inflationary times when food prices are going up. As one small example, as part of a diversified portfolio. So agricultural commodities that people like and avocados are definitely in that. We're not killing animals. Dharmic investing seems a bit simplistic on my, you know, trying to sum that up right there, but, the, but that's it. Um, do we have to give a disclaimer here that, you know, you're not giving specific investment advice to people? 
Yes, as a member of FINRA, I should point out that they encourage me uh, to say that this is not individual investment advice. Uh, everything we've talked about are small parts of diversified portfolios, and you should consult uh, uh, someone who uh, can advise you uh, and not act upon this advice by itself. How can listeners find you? We already plugged your website. If you want to do that again, that would be wonderful. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yes. Uh, yes. In summary, if, if you're too busy or don't want to analyze markets, I'd be happy to do that for you each and every morning. You could write to esan.katir at Gmail or tweet esan1, E-A-S-A-N-1, uh, call 530-320-3287 or esankatir.com is my website. And I should say, Matt, that uh, everyone should donate 10% of your profits to the Hindu American foundation. That is the best tithing plug I think we've ever had. In fact, it's the only tithing plug we've ever had, but thank you for that. Um, thank you, Isan, for joining us so much. Um, hopefully this episode finds as much good listenership as the last one. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help this show get discovered by more listeners. If you want to help ensure that more of these get made, you can make a donation to HAF at www.hinduamerican.org slash donate.